Uh, good morning. Merry Christmas. My name is Mo. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, man, we made it. We're here. The most important birthday of all of history. Uh, today we're celebrating that. Um, and so in celebration of that, we're going to walk through the story of our king's birth. And so if you have a Bible, love for you to open it up to Luke chapter 2. Um, and we'll pick it up in verse 8. But first, uh, I just want to confess that I, uh, I haven't always seen this as the most important birthday of any type of history at all. Uh, in, in fact, I would uh, actually labor against this holiday frequently. Uh, so God found me when I was a freshman in college. He broke into my life and changed my story forever. And uh, he explained to me how uh, he did send his son. His son was born so that he might die for me and, and th- so that I might have a relationship with him. But even in the midst of that, I still would war against Christmas. In fact, I would blame other people as to why Christmas is so bad right now. Uh, I would blame consumerism, and I'd say, uh, people make it all about the gifts and the presents, and they, don't, they forget about God. And, and I would explain, like, man, the grocery stores in Walmart, they're packed and chaotic. Everybody's angry. They're not seeing the joy in the Lord. And, and I would just basically bah humbug all over everybody's Christmas. And then I met this really sweet lady um, and married her. Her name's Colleen. She's my wife. And uh, to know Colleen is to know a lover of Christmas. Um, she loves everything Christmas. She wants our house to be decorated as soon as possible, inside and out. If she could pull out a second mortgage on our house to do that, she would. Um, she, she loves Christmas. And so uh, when we got married, she would push me to say, hey, let, let's get those decorations up. And I would just drag my feet and fuss and say, Oh, everybody's ruining Christmas. Christmas is such a bad holiday because of all the other people. And, and she'd say, we need to get these, get these these things up. And so eventually I'd have to give in, and we'd decorate the house, and we'd celebrate Christmas. And, and I just, what the problem was is I really didn't probably get what Christmas really, really meant. Even though I understood Jesus, I understood that he was born, it's a real factual thing, and, and, and that I placed my faith in him, I didn't get it. And so one day, we had a baby girl. Uh, it's our oldest daughter, Evangeline. She was born. And uh, a year later, we celebrated her birthday. And what happens, her, so her birthday is three days after Christmas, and so we work really hard to pull the decorations down and decorate the house. And, and I remember that first birthday specifically just because I remember all the effort that we put into celebrating and honoring our daughter, which is just amazing, right? And, and so we decorated the house. We invited family over. We, we just, it was a great time. And even in my own heart, I was like, man, this is amazing. Now, granted, um, what happened after that, though, and, and my wife probably doesn't remember saying this to me, but I was a Christian for about eight years at that point, and I had been in Christian ministry for four years up until this point, and I remember her saying something to the effect of, so you remember, like, we, we put forth all this effort to celebrate our daughter's birthday. How much more for our king who was born? How much more would we want to do, desire to to do, to celebrate our king's birthday, the fact that Christ really was born in the world? And and, and that changed my heart, right? Like, I I was like, oh, that is a difference uh, from the way I viewed it. And I was ruining Christmas for everybody because I didn't see Christmas properly. And and so from then on, like, Christmas is very different for us. It's like a month-long occasion now. Uh, We we start the day after Thanksgiving on most years. This year, we actually messed that up a little bit and went the day before Thanksgiving even to decorate the house, deck it all out, get the kids excited, share the Jesus story, all of those things because our king really was born, and he really was born so that he might die for us. And so we want to celebrate that and, and, and say, man, that's a cause for celebration in our home. And, and so I, sh- I share all of that with you because 
it's really easy and natural for us to come into this holiday kind of going through the motions, you know, going through like got to buy all the gifts, we got to make our house nice and clean, and, or, or, or we have to like think about how we're going to make those awkward family members that are coming into our home happy. If you don't have an awkward family member, you probably are that one. I just want to clarify for you, help you out a little bit. No, but seriously, like we, we go through all of these things, so it's really natural for us to go through the motions. And even, even some, for some of us in the room, maybe this is the first or second time that you've come to church. You kind of begrudgingly wait because you're like, this is just something I feel like I have to do, right? And so my hope today is that maybe this year would be different. Maybe this year can be different. Maybe we can start to see the deep significance of the fact that God was born in this world so that he might die for us. And the fact that that was revealed to us 2,000 years ago, and it's still just as significant today. Maybe today. Maybe today would mark a difference for you in this Christmas season. And so my first point is God's good news comes to the lowest. So we, when we look at Luke's account of this in our Bibles, what we see in the beginning of, of verse 8 and 9, we see a group of shepherds hanging out, right? And, and these angels swoop into this group of, angel, uh, group of shepherds. They just appear to them. And, and the interesting thing, so in the first century, if you were to talk about a shepherd, you probably wouldn't have looked at them with a very, like, grace-filled lens. In fact, they were, like, looked down upon, uh, so much so that their uh, eyewitness account in a court of law would not hold up. Like, they wouldn't even consider them to confess anything in court. Uh, they, they weren't trusted. They were considered thieves. They couldn't hold pup, hup, public, uh, sorry, government offices. And even, even worse, these men shepherded, cared for sheep, which were used in the sacrificial system of the temple and weren't allowed to come worship. So if you look at every point of society looked down on these individuals, they were disregarded and considered the lowest of society, yet God would send angels to tell them on this special night about the good news. And their response is fitting to the, the angels, okay? So what it says in, in here in verse 9 is that the angels, the glory of the Lord surrounded them, and, and they, they were fearful, that they were filled with fear because of that. Here's why it was fitting. Because when the glory of the Lord shined through, these men were in physical darkness. So they were physically in the dark. It was late at night, and light shone in really loudly with, a bunch of, with an angel. And so they were in darkness in that way, but they were also spiritually darkness. And so when God's glory shines through, it exposed these men of their sinful heart. It showed them how deeply sinful they are before a holy God. And you see, if if you were to ask the average person anywhere, you're walking down the street and you ask a person, man, do you think you're a good person? Well, that person's going to say, well, generally speaking, yeah, like I do some bad stuff, but I am a good person. And the reason why we're able to say that, it's very natural to just look and say, well, I am far better than the worst person I know, right? Like that, that's the kind of the, the game that we start to play with that. Well, here's the issue. You know Pastor Austin and you know me. I can really brag about being tall when I'm around that dude, right? Like, he's short, I tower over him on most occasions, and it's okay that I joke about that, by the way. He's okay with that. But anyway, so, so I tower over him, but say Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, seven foot two walks in the room, no longer can I feel like I'm a tall person. And you see, that's the game we play with God, actually, is that we, we might look at the worst or the least holy person we know and say, man, yeah, I'm holier than that person, but wait, when God steps into the room, his glory shines through, his holiness shines through, well, any amount of good that you think you might possess is done away with. 
It doesn't even get measured on the radar. And so it, it's a fearful thing. That's what these shepherds are feeling. It's a fearful thing to be a sinner in the hand of a holy God. And these men understood that. So, so what do they do? I mean, what do we do? I mean, if we're in the hands, we're sinners in the hands of a holy God, what do, what do we do? Well, let's look at verse 11. I'll read it. So, so the angel explains to them, fear not, for behold, I bring great, good news of great joy. And he says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. So, so who is this good news for? That's a, that's a good starting point for this. Who is it good for? Well, the passage says that it's for all people. So the angels are coming to these lowly shepherds and said, hey, the son that is being born, he's for you. This, this son that's being born, the good news is for you, not for the religious folks, not for those who know all the right answers, but for you, for all people. Look, if you're sitting in the room and you think that you have to clean yourself up to approach God in his glory, let me just remind you of the shepherds here. The shepherds didn't pursue God at all. Actually, the good news came to them apart from any of their effort or trying. Unlike the wise men in Matthew, the wise men were looking around for God, right? These guys were hanging out, just living out their story, and God broke through, broke heaven and earth to come after them. He pursued them, not with their efforts, but from his effort to know them. And so, so, so what is this good news that, he, that, this, that the angels are proclaiming to him? The good news came through a baby, but that wasn't the end game for God's plan for these men and for us. In fact, the end game was that that baby would eventually die for the world that he came into. John 3.16 says it this way, 16 and 17. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see that? Jesus coming to the earth was a gift to those who would believe, not as a condemnation, but for salvation. It doesn't say that, man, if, if the person understands the right things and has all their stuff together, then they get salvation. No, it says to those who believe. The angel told them, fear not, not because their sin no longer matters to a holy God, but because his son was born so that he might die for those sins and so that he, they might have a relationship with God. The Savior was born this day and eventually would die for their sins. Jesus was born so that he might die on our behalf. That's why it's significant that a baby was born 2,000 years ago. So to show how good this news is, what happens is they started out with one angel as if that's not enough. And it says that a multitude of the heavenly hosts showed up, which means a whole lot of them, okay? So it's not like just five angels. You're talking a whole army of angels, as, as Bob read earlier in the children's story there. So the whole host of angels came in praising God and said, man, peace on earth to those whom God is pleased with. Jesus' birthday is a day that we celebrate every single year as Christmas is so significant, not because of the gifts that we give out or the gifts that are given to us or the time that we spend with our family. Even though all of that stuff is good, God-honoring things, the reason why it's significant is because a child was born, and that child was born so that, they might, so that he might die for us. That's why it's significant. So that we might have peace with God, and he might be pleased with us. That's why it's significant. See, like, so, so here's why this matters. With these shepherds, have heard this good news had the angels come to them. 
If the, if the angels didn't come to them, would they have heard the good news? Probably not. God found it significant enough to go to these insignificant in the world so they might hear the good news. So, so what he's saying is we're, we're that insignificant. That's who we are. We're the shepherds in this story. We're not Jesus. We're not the sheep. We are the shepherds. We're the insignificant, and God has found us to be significant enough to break into our story and share good news with us. God made a way where there was no way that we could make for ourselves. But here's the thing. This good news is not good news unless you understand that you're a sinner before a holy God. And that his son was sent on our behalf to die for those sins and raised from the grave. And if, if that's true, if that is really good news for us, it says it's good news of great joy. That means immense, mega, large, huge joy can be found in this. Not in the amount of good stuff that we can do or cleaning ourselves up, but in the fact that the son was sent to die for us, and it gave God glory to send him and, and to send him for us so that we might be a part of his family. That's the good news. Now, let me ask you a question, though. Saying all of that, this is a story, like we said before, that most of us have heard, right? And, and so... Are you clinging to a message or a story that you heard and can probably regurgitate the information? Is that what you're holding tight to? And if that's true, do you really believe that story? Like, is that true in your heart? Do you truly believe that that truly happened, that really happened? And if so, has it moved you? Does it move you on a continuum? That leads me to my second point. God's good news moves the heart of the lowest. So picture this. These shepherds, they're just hanging out, right? They're living just kind of a normal life at this point in the dark. They, they have their sheep around them, and all of a sudden an angel shows up, and then an army of angels show up, and they're singing, praising God, this good news, and then they respond because they heard about this saving news. And so what did they do? Let's look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. In verse 15, it shows us that not only did they hear this good news and take it in as true, but they trusted God. They trusted God's word delivered to them so much so that they left. Like, they just, they left everything. They, they moved on. The, the message of the good news caused them to move, to act on it. You, our nativity scenes that we see every single year usually have these shepherd guys with their sheep standing next to it, right? That's not what happened here. Most likely, these guys, it said they left with haste, right? Which means they left quickly. You can't move sheep quickly. So they, they left everything they had right behind and, and, and went to find this baby in some small town, Bethlehem. Think about it. They were so moved by this good news, they, took from, they went from watching their sheep to looking for the Savior, and they didn't think about their income. They no longer thought about what they were going to lose if they left the sheep behind, and they didn't think about their reputation at all. They didn't want to just know about the Savior being born. No, they wanted to be a part of what God was doing. They wanted to see what God was up to. You see, if we believe the Lord Jesus has truly been born and died for salvation, then, then, then it has to be more than just, yep, I agree with that truth. That makes sense to me. It's got to move us beyond that. We have to move beyond trust, beyond just an intellectual understanding of this, but actually a trust of faith that produces an action. 
So these dudes went after the good news. So, so, so let me ask you this. What have you done with that good news? Have you pursued Jesus like these men have? Have you believed what God said and acted upon it? See, their first response was to leave their old life and pursue a new one. And, and when they saw God, what God had done, when they saw the baby in the manger, in fact, was born, he, the Savior was there, they couldn't help themselves but to share it with everyone. You remember, these men couldn't be trusted, right? Nobody saw them as truth-tellers, but they, they, they couldn't help but to tell other people because it was such good news that this baby had been born that they wanted to tell all people. See, once you've experienced the, the, the person of the good news, you can't help but to want to tell other people about him. I mean, we do that for human babies, right? Like just the average baby being born, we, we, we tell everybody the moment we hear it. I remember about six years ago, uh, my sister-in-law, Christy, was announcing to just our intimate family during Thanksgiving. So there's only... 15 of us maybe in that setting and she's like telling us that hey I'm about to have a baby and and it's my beautiful niece Julia which is awesome but what was happening as she's announcing this my father-in-law breaks out his laptop and starts putting it all over Facebook in an instant dude was excited like he was ecstatic he was like man a baby's about to be born this is exciting news let me tell everybody I know now parents in the room older folks in the room, it's a no-no in the 21st century to post someone else's news on social media. Just putting that out there, you just don't do that. But he did it because he was excited. He wasn't thinking it through, right? And thankfully, his whole world on Facebook was like 20 people. So he, he got it going. But, but, <laughs> but that baby was my brother-in-law's and my sister-in-law's baby. And, and that was their good news. But the baby in our story, the baby in the scripture is our baby. It says, unto you a child is born. The the angel said, unto you a child is born. Jesus was born so that he could die for us. And that's the greatest news the shepherds or we could ever hear. The shepherds understood that it was so significant to share it, even if no one else would listen. And finally, the shepherds returned home, but they returned home different, right? They returned home glorifying and praising God, looking a little insane, right? Because they understood that, man, this God is going to change every single aspect of my life. So they glorified, worshiped, and praised him. And so in the same way, if we know the son was born and died for us, then it should change our hearts so much so that we glorify, praise him with every single aspect of our life. The good news of our Savior being born and dying for our sins is good news not just for one day a year or two days a year or even one day a week, but it's for every single day, every single moment of our entire existence. It is good news. So when we see this gift that's been given to us on Christmas, man, our life ought not be marked by mundane going through the motions anymore, but it should be marked by joy and praise and glory and honor. The fact that it might look a little insane because, man, we've heard the greatest news ever. So one of the key words in verse 10 when we looked at that was joy. And so this good news of great joy, but more often than not, I feel like what we do is we, we, th- we say, I will have joy when my life looks the way I want it to look, right? When my life gets to this point, when it looks the way I want it to look, that's when joy will happen, which day after day leaves us disappointed, discouraged, and just upset at the world, right? It leaves us empty a lot of the times. 
However, joy isn't found in my life being exactly the way I want it. The joy is found in the fact that God loved me and it glorified him so much so that he would send his son to die for me so that he might have a relationship with me. My circumstances aren't changing, but my relationship status is. That's what brings joy. And these shepherds, they got it. They got it so much so because these men, remember, they, they knew they were far off from God. They knew they were the lowest in society. And the circumstance of being the lowest in society doesn't change for them. But they knew that their relationship status with God did, and so they walked away praising and glorifying God as they walked away. Not a change of circumstances, but a change of relationship status. Now, now there's one more verse in our passage for this morning, and it's verse 21. And and I think it's a little strange placement because it doesn't continue the story of the shepherds, Mary, or Joseph, but it does center on Jesus, and I think it's probably the most significant. It says this, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So in the first century, and I would even say today, names are very significant. Um, so significant that like, I, my wife and I, we've prayed through the names of each one of our kids. One of them, their name is Evangel, which is the word good news. Uh, and, and we've prayed for her that she would be a proclaimer of that good news. And guess what? She puts me to shame about once a week at least, if not worse. As a paid Christian, she probably proclaims that more than I do. She can't help but to tell people about the good news of Jesus, and it's beautiful. And it's this name here that's given to Jesus. So Jesus, if you look it up in its original language, means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah being God is salvation. That name meant something. It was given to him before he was even born. It says the angel spoke of that before that. But let me tell you, it was actually spoken of before that even. If you look at the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, it says the seed of the woman, the son of the woman, will stamp out the head of the serpent, the serpent being Satan. This is that seed. This is that child. And and the Jews up until this point have been waiting for this child to be born. They have been waiting thousands of years for this good news to come about, and all of a sudden he breaks loose Jehovah Salvation. That's the good news that this child had been waiting for, been, that everyone had been waiting for has come, and we get to celebrate that. So the good news is not a gift wrapped in nice paper, but wrapped in swallowing cloth, right? The good news isn't what's found underneath a tree, but the, but the Savior who was crucified on a tree. That's what the good news is. This is not about uh, uh, religion or following rules, but God breaking into our story, into time and history and space so that he might have a relationship with us. He, he sent his son to die for us, and that's good news. And you can receive that gift by truly believing that that did in fact happen and placing your faith in that Jesus, in the son who came not to condemn the world, but to save it. God thought you were significant enough for you to be here today. Significant enough that he would break into your story today to tell you about this Jesus. For you to hear not only that a baby was born, but that baby was born to die for you. So can I compel you to not let this Christmas be like any other? Can I compel you to place your faith in Jesus today? And and let your response after placing your faith in Jesus not to be walking off in mundaneness, but actually in joy. Man, can I ask you, be here next week. 
Be like the shepherds and say, hey, I want to see what this Jesus is doing, what God is doing by showing up again. Join this community, uh, so to speak. And yes, we are awkward and we are weird and we don't have our stuff together. But hey, we can do that together, right? We can pursue Jesus together. Or maybe you're in the room and you're like, man, I don't know if I believe this stuff. I'm kind of just checking it out right now. That's okay. That is okay. May I encourage you to continue to check it out? Man, if, if this thing is true, that God really did send his son, that he, God really did come into the world also that he might die for you, I'd say that's compelling enough to continue to pursue it, to find out, man, what is that really about? And if you've already placed your faith in Jesus, you've, you've done that prior today, man, don't let this just be another Christmas. Don't let this just be another holiday where you kind of go through the motions. Let this be a birthday party that's bigger than any birthday party you've ever had. Whether that be in your heart or actually physically expressed, I don't know. But, but let this be something that's more meaningful than just another holiday to go through the motions. Walk in the reality that our king really was born and really did die 2,000 years ago. And, and, and can I challenge you for 2018? We're talking about the new year already. Can I challenge you to receive that gift with joy? So much joy that it compels you to, to outburst and share that with other people. You see, this story right here started out with a group of misfit shepherds, a teenaged engaged couple with a baby out of wedlock, so to speak, and, a, and an angel, right? Like, that's, that's how this story began. And, and, and at present day, two-thirds of the world has heard this good news has access to this good news. But how did it get there? Was it a group of angels who came down to every individual person to share that news with them? No. That's not how it happened. The way it happened is people like us heard the good news and respond in joy that we might get to share that news with others and be a part of what God is doing. Individuals responding to the good news. And so let that give us an urgency to say, man, there's another third of this world that doesn't have access to the gospel. There's another 2.3 billion people who haven't heard this good news. May it be an urgency for you so that those 2.3 billion people might hear the good news that unto me a child is born, unto you a child is born, unto them a child has been given. Amen? Let's pray.